For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At the party after my ordination as a deacon, I was surrounded by friends and family. At some point, folks wanted me to open the gifts, and there were a lot of them. But the one I remember most clearly, the one that I still treasure, is my red velvet Jesus. Given by two friends, lifelong, faithful Roman Catholics, Colleen and Pete had found Red Velvet Jesus at a yard sale, and they had held on to him for about a year, just waiting to give him to me on this day. I confess I was, well, a little mortified <laughs> as I pulled Red Velvet Jesus out of his wrapping paper. After all, he's pretty kitschy super Roman Catholic, and I was now a proper, dignified, classy Anglican. But what could I do? I thanked them and then immediately wrapped Red Velvet Jesus up, packed him in a box for our move to New York. When I got there and I found Red Velvet Jesus again, I decided to put him in my church office on a shelf that I could see from my desk but that most folks who came into my office couldn't see. I didn't want them to think that I was, what, tacky? Superstitious? A little heretical? Still, over time, Red Velvet Jesus became really important to me. He would sit on my bookshelf, and I would talk to him throughout the day. Quick prayers, questions about what to do, sometimes scolding him for getting me into this line of work. Over time, others noticed Red Velvet Jesus too, and we discovered that he has a slot in his back for coins. Red Velvet Jesus is a bank because, you know, Jesus saves. <laughs> well... Once people discovered my love for red velvet Jesus, then lots of religious kitsch started appearing from friends and parishioners. Jesus nightlights, punching nun puppets, Bible board games. But then, then I learned about magic eight ball Jesus, also known as Answer me, Jesus. I found out about him from Mary Elise Haug sitting on the altar. I might have coveted him just a little bit. Despite being out of production, Mary Elise found a pink magic eight-ball Jesus just for me. Perfect for the day, Rose Sunday. Now I not only could talk to Jesus and ask questions, 
but I could get answers. <laughs> Jesus, should we install a new HVAC system? Yes, my child. <laughs> Jesus, will we raise enough money? Have faith. <laughs> Jesus, this project is taking too long. I'm tired of the workmen in the church and construction dust everywhere. Sinner. Well, you can see how easy it might be to get addicted to magic eight ball Jesus. He's so clear. <laughs> He's so immediate. He's so simple. And the truth is, lots of us like, if not red velvet Jesus or even answer me Jesus, lots of us like at least magic Jesus. At least it seems that way, given some of the simplistic ways we talk about and share our faith in America. One of the most common ways is to hold up those big signs at public events like televised football games that say simply John 3.16. The verse is at the center of our gospel today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but ha may have eternal life. Now this is a gorgeous passage. It's rich with meaning and promise. In fact, Martin Luther described it as the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature. Because in 27 words, it captures our loving God, a cherished world, a self-giving son, a universal invitation, deliverance from death, and promise of eternal life. That's a lot in one sentence. It is so beautiful and it fills so many with hope, yet it has also been used to simplify the gospel to just this. Jesus came to die for your sins so you can go to heaven. Or perhaps it's this. If you just give intellectual assent to Jesus being the Son of God, of God having become incarnate, dying for our sins and being resurrected, then you are saved. In other words, you just need to change your mind or say the right words and you're in. At least that seems to be the promise of those signs, those talismans marked with John 3.16, as if people might read those words, suddenly get it, and change their minds. Or sometimes this passage is used in another kind of way, equally simplistic. If you don't believe this, then you're condemned. To those people, I point out the sentence after this one that reads, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. At any rate, we treat this as a clear, straightforward statement, but the person who heard it first, Nicodemus, teacher of the law, a religious authority, has come to Jesus because he knows Jesus is from God. But then Jesus tells him that to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. 
which makes no sense at all to this inquirer, who asks if one can re-enter the womb. To which Jesus answers, he must be born by water and spirit. And then he gives this discourse about belief. And of course, it's not at all clear to Nicodemus, who goes away utterly confused. These words are not simple. Jesus does not seem magic. And no wonder. For what Jesus is saying here is not that one must just change one's mind, but that one must change one's life. For the word we use, believe, the word that we understand to be about our minds, comes from the German word believen, which is to love. We're not to change our minds. We're to change our hearts. We're not to believe so much as we are to be love. Just as when we believe in our spouse, our siblings, our friends, our parents, or our children, we give them our whole hearts. We trust in them. We treasure them. We're on their side no matter what. And so too when we believe in Jesus. We are to enter into a relationship where we are born anew, childlike in our willingness to trust God, to be vulnerable even when there aren't clear answers. Belief is not about affirming facts about Jesus. It's about entering into relationship with him. And real relationship means trust. It also means change. We no longer rely on ourselves, but we trust that we are loved as we are. We move more and more toward the light because he is the light. And because fully trusting Jesus means to follow him, we seek to become more and more like him. Loving, truth-telling, compassionate, forgiving, rabble-rousing, self-sacrificing. We don't look to magic Jesus who provides easy answers. We don't follow the easy Jesus of our own preference or imaginations. Instead, we look to, we follow the one who was lifted up. The one who was lifted up just as Moses lifted up the serpent of bronze on a pole to heal those bitten by snakes. We look to that one who was lifted up, who in his glory on the throne of the cross provides the remedy for our sins, who bids us to believe in him, to follow him, to love him, because he first believed in 
first beloved, us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.